What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you as the Green Bay Packers get ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So I know slightly earlier time today, I knew maybe attendance wouldn't be what it's normally been as of late. But as I mentioned on Monday's episode, I had a prior commitment this afternoon. So I had to bump up the time just a little bit. Hopefully a few people can get in here. But I figured I would at the very least update on what was yesterday's injury report. The Packers have not yet gotten today, so this is yesterday's injury report. For the Packers' side of things, it's an estimation because the Packers did not practice yesterday. One kind of interesting thing going on for the Packers is Matt LaFleur is not totally treating this like a short week. In fact, he's really treating it like a fairly regular week, still giving the players off on Tuesday. Could partially be because there was so many snaps that defensive players had to endure in Dallas or maybe just injury prevention, whatever. Matt LaFleur opted not to practice on Tuesday, so these are estimates for the Green Bay Packers. And of course, we'll see what that lends into today. I do think that there's some very promising things on this list. For one, Jerry Alexander being listed as limited as opposed to a DNP. That should be indicative of his ankle at least holding up okay. Kenny Clark limited, not unexpected. AJ Dillon, DNP, not unexpected. Kingsley Anigbare with his torn ACL that has now been officially confirmed by the team. Not shocking he didn't practice. In fact, I would expect an IR designation for him very, very soon. But other notables on here, Elton Jenkins as a DNP. Doesn't seem to be a huge deal at this time. He was always given those early week practices off. The one that I think is actually important on this list for the Packers purposes would be Isaiah McDuffie as a DNP. McDuffie has been playing very, very well as of late. The Packers have built this nice rotation between Campbell, Quay, and McDuffie. He's kind of carved out a role for himself. And him against Christian McCaffrey would seem to be a pretty promising thing to have on the field. But we're going to have to see if his injury allows him to do so. Hey, Ms. McGoat, how you doing? It won't be as easy, but we will win. Special teams will come through. Hey, I actually like that because one of the things I was going to talk about was the 49ers at times this year have struggled in special teams. Their beat reporter for The Athletic uh, wrote an article about what are the 49ers' weaknesses, which frankly came in handy for the Packers. Um, but one of the things that the 49ers have really struggled with is kickoff coverage, which lately they've just been kicking the ball to the end zone, so that kind of solves that. But the other thing that they've really struggled with is they've got their own rookie kicker who's going through rookie problems and missing the occasional thing. Moody's been barely better than Carlson, but we're talking a few negligible percentage points. Uh, so that's where the 49ers week this lies, and maybe uh, maybe special teams is going to be it. We're going to have to find out. Now, taking a look at the 49ers injury report, this one also does have some important factors on it. Keep in mind, too, they're coming off a bye last week, but then the week before in week 18, they played the Rams, and they did not play all of their guys in that game. One guy that they did play was Clellan Farrell. He's one of their starting defensive ends. And he's really looked to on that defensive line as one of their leaders in the run game. Well, in that Week 18 matchup against the Rams, he sustained a knee injury. And now it's looking unlikely that he's going to play in Saturday's game at all. Other notables there, Eric Armstead, Jair Brown, John Feliciano, guys that have had long-term lingering injuries for the 49ers are all primed to come back for this game. So the 49ers getting healthier 
as is, of course, Christian McCaffrey expected back as well. Uh, so certainly some reinforcements coming for the Niners, guys that haven't been playing for them for a little bit. Jerry Brown, one of their starting safeties. John Feliciano, a very important player on the 49ers offensive line. He is vastly superior to the backup that's been playing for him, so that's a nice move for their offensive line. So really, all in all, makes the matchup tougher. Like, let's not lie about it. Getting those guys back does make the 49ers a better and more complete team. But let's talk a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers, because if you really dive in to their coverage, to their side of things, there are some weaknesses for the 49ers. First of all, let's cover turnovers. No, they don't turn the ball over much. But as Zach Cruz pointed out on Twitter, they are 8-0 and when they get no turnovers. When they don't turn the ball over at all, they're 8-0. Four and five when they do. They are nine and one when they get two plus takeaways. Three and four when they don't get two or more takeaways. So again, kind of like the Cowboys game, there's some real absolutes there. And the game may very well come down to turnovers and seeing who can get more. Miserable Goat saying, isn't it interesting that rest versus rust will be questioned after this game? Oh, for sure. I mean, especially like, it is very reminiscent thus far for the Packers of their 2010 Super Bowl winning season. You know, the, the last spot in the playoffs, a team that had had a crap load of injuries throughout the year. And then all of a sudden, like marches into the playoffs, gets hot at the right time, starts getting a couple guys back. Like that is very reminiscent of 2010. It's just a question of, when does the exhaustion set in of facing elimination game after elimination game like the Packers have done? And then you got the Niners who basically just been chilling for two weeks. They've just been hanging out. And like that game against the Rams that they lost in week 18, they weren't actually playing. So we're going to, I agree. It's going to be a very interesting conversation for sure, especially considering that the Niners are getting some of those guys back. Like that does offer them some reinforcements. One other uh, glint of hope that I'm going to give you on the Packers side of things is earlier on in the season, the San Francisco 49ers did actually undergo a three game losing streak. And one of the things that was realized in that losing streak for the 49ers was that their defense was kind of reminiscent of the Packers defense in that when their defensive line wasn't getting pressure or was getting too much pressure, which I'll explain in a second, their secondary would oftentimes fall apart. And that could play right into the hands of the Green Bay Packers because that wasn't the case historically under D'Amico Ryans for the 49ers. See what was going on in that three-game losing streak as profiled by The Athletic in an article like three months ago was what was going on was Bosa, Farrell, they were getting too much pressure. They were coming around the outside and teams like the Vikings, Browns, Bengals, they had figured out that the way we can run against them is with halfback draws, delays, cracks, tosses. Just get the ball out or late as they come crashing in. And the Packers, as we know, love to run a lot of halfback pitches to Aaron Jones. They love to run a lot of, I don't want to say delays, but certainly counters is a part of the Matt LaFleur game plan. That could line up against what the 49ers do when they have their defensive line crash as hard as they do. So a little, little glint of hope there. They have been better 
with it over the last stretch of games because obviously that three game losing streak was like midseason it was a while ago but nonetheless something to keep in mind something that could become quite pertinent chris hand how you doing man let's go what's up john and everyone what's up to you chris so uh i got a little bit of time to hang out today of course on friday is going to be the game preview uh going to be talking in detail how these two teams match up against each other so um let me know if you got any comments, got any questions. Let me know to the few of you who are able to join us early today. Um, one thing that I did get asked the other day that I think is, is going to be very interesting to watch is who on the 49ers scares you the most? Right? Because much like the Green Bay Packers, they got options. Purdy at quarterback has been remarkably efficient. No, I don't believe he's the greatest quarterback in the history of the world, like some would have you believe. I also don't think that he's like this total just product of the system. I do think he's doing well, like genuinely well. He's making throws that a lot of system quarterbacks aren't going to make. But they've got Debo. They've got Ayuk. They've got Kittle, who, as I was looking over statistics, actually crossed 1,000 yards receiving this year. As a fantasy owner of George Kittle, I did not realize he put up 1,000 yards this year because Lord knows it didn't feel like it. But they've got options. And then, of course, perhaps the one that I'm most afraid of in that backfield is Christian McCaffrey. Joe Barry has had a tendency over the last three years when facing a high-reputation running back, let's call them, to key in on the running game a little bit too much. He's been better with it as of late. The whole defense has been better with it as of late. But the concern is if the Packers go in with the game plan to solely stop McCaffrey, then does that open up things on the back end for Purdy, Ayuk, Debo, et cetera, et cetera. So someone keep an eye on. Rockin' ease. Yo, John, after beating Lions, then Chiefs Jordan was off against the Giants. Yep, that's my only worry besides the defense, playing like against the Bucks. Yeah, you know, that, that's one thing. I'm not totally worried about the offense in this game. The San Francisco 49ers defense is tough, but it's beatable. You know, they have one very good corner, Charverius Ward, but then the rest of the corners are fairly beatable, especially at the nickel spot where they roll out Isaiah Oliver sometimes. They kind of got this rotation because earlier in the year it was Oliver, then it became Ambry Thomas, both of them beatable at the nickel spot. Gibson's having a very nice year as a safety, but Jerry Brown is beatable in the secondary. So I'm not worried about that unless, like you say, Rocket Knees, like he's just straight up off like he was against the Giants or even at times like he was against the Bucks. Yeah, then they're probably screwed. He's going to have to play very, very well again. In the defense, I am worried about the defense because I'm not sure just how sustainable how well they've played over the last few weeks is and this would be a very bad game to falter so uh chris hand two things have changed for love the ints and the penalties yeah his interceptions have gone way down what is it it's like week nine 21 touchdowns now versus one interception like i mean that's that's i don't want to say better than rogers ever did but it's uh it's up there for sure um the, the interceptions have been incredibly cleaned up by the way i want to talk about this too because it's getting talked about a lot both kyle shanahan and nick bosa in their press conferences yesterday bosa at his locker they were talking about how well jordan love is playing and both of them mentioned that jordan love is doing an exceptional job in matt lafleur's system 
and it gave it gave a lot of people the impression of like that's a subtle knock. They're saying that Love is a system quarterback, that he is a product of Lafleur's grand scheme. And I got to be honest, I didn't take that because the 49ers are a very head coach led disciplined team, much like the Patriots and the Patriot way back in the day. Right. And back then, one of the greatest compliments that could be given to a Patriot player was they did their job. Just do your job. Right. The 49ers are a lot like that. They are very, very responsibility driven. And so I think coming from that source to say that Jordan does what his coach wants him to do, that he plays well in the structure, I think to them that's actually a compliment. And it's not some kind of knock of like, well, he's limited to what what Lafleur is calling. Like, no, I I took it as a genuine compliment. So that's just where I'm at. Uh, Rocket knees, 49ers are not a world beater like how the national media wants you to think they can be beat. Yes, I would agree totally. They can be beat. What they do, though, they are very, very good at. They are a very disciplined team. And offensively, they are, I mean, they're amongst the best in every category for a reason, be it passing and running. They are loaded, no doubt about it. And I think that that's my tremendous concern. You know, because even going against the Cowboys, was sure you can argue Gallup and Cooks are better than the supporting receivers they had, but there is a touch of like what was Rodgers to Devontae, right? Quarterback and wide receiver one, and then just a group of guys. The Niners are much more like the Packers this year in that they can go anywhere and it can become an explosive play. And the Packers haven't necessarily done that well against that style of offense, nor have they gone against it in this latest run of defensive success. Joe Barry has had success against Kyle Shanahan in the past, and that is important to note. But this 49ers team is they built different, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Miserable Goat, imagine the defense playing well enough to get Joe Barry a contract extension. <laughs> I tell you what, Miserable Goat, they, uh, they win this week and the defense performs. Mm-hmm. I really think it could be coming. Yeah. Rocket Knees, watching 22 years of football. I've never seen, uh, have never ever seen a player, let alone a QB, improve so much like Jordan Love. It speaks of his ability and mental fortitude. No doubt about it. No doubt. Because even in training camp, he was a horrendously slow starter that you could just see, like every so often there would be a throw that was like, oh, okay. Like that's, if he can do that all the time, we're good. And then earlier on the season, it was, flashes but around him was just such a catastrophe at all times he didn't know who to blame all the time his ascension has lined up perfectly with the development of everyone else we don't see the wrong routes that we saw earlier in the season the offensive line has improved dramatically as well which of course helps love so yes undeniably jordan love is on a whole other level than he was earlier in the season but kind of in conjunction with the rest of the offense ascending itself to a better place. And it's it's been really neat to watch. Uh, Mitch Staff saying, Bayless was trying to bait Dobbs. Dobbs was having none of it. I Okay, so I didn't get to see the interview yet, but I read a little bit about that, that like Skip was trying to get Dobbs, especially to say stuff about Rodgers or whatever else, and Dobbs was just 
not you know, talk about football. So uh, good for you, Romeo. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Chris Ann saying love does a ton of play action. I'm excited to see the switch of that and try play action screens too, since the defense can expect deep throws caught off guard. I think play action is going to be a very large part of the game plan against Frisco. The one thing that I will say though, is Frisco is amongst the top teams in the NFL at getting pressure. They also are one of the quickest teams in the NFL to generate pressure. See, for a while there, the Packers were amongst the top teams of generating pressure as well, but they were one of the slowest teams in getting those pressures. And it kind of was the eye test, right? A quarterback would get all the way back in his drop and then dance around a little bit. Then the Packers would finish off the sack, right? The Niners are different in that regard in that their pressures come right at the forefront of the play. Realistically, for Jordan Love to have a lot of success in this game, he's probably going to have to get a lot of passes off 2.6 seconds or earlier or quicker, I should say. And that's, I mean, that's really quick because the Niners, they get their pressure fast. And that is, that's one thing to keep in mind. And if you do these overly extended play action plays and stuff like that, then, then it could hurt. Uh, Samuel Bean, how you doing, man? Uh, Shanahan had a script for Rodgers because Rodgers wouldn't play within the system. He wouldn't throw all of the routes. I loved Rodgers, but the 49ers can't key in on one route or one wide receiver. Go pack, go. Yes, 100% correct. And, and that was acknowledged, too, by Bosa and Shanahan when they were talking about, like, uh, love playing in the system. Bosa specifically mentioned that Rodgers wouldn't play in the system a lot. And we know, too, that Rodgers' aversion to the middle of the field was extremely detrimental against teams like the 49ers who cover everywhere very, very well. And then they would just key on on wherever Devontae was going because they knew that's where the ball was going, especially uh, in the cold game in Lambeau two years ago. So I think that this Packer offense is better suited to go against the 49ers defense than the offenses of years past. I, I really do believe that. And that is a huge reason why. Mitch, I see one advantage for the Packers versus 49ers. It's supposed to rain, and Love is a 10.5-inch hand versus Purdy's 9.25 inches. Yes, Jordan Love, it's believed, does have the ability. We haven't seen him play in like a total washout game, but it's believed that he's got the arm strength, the hand size, everything to that effect to play well in the rain. Purdy has shown that he kind of crawls inside his tortoise shell a little bit when it rains. Specifically, the game earlier this year against Cleveland, I think Purdy off the top of my head was 12 of 27 in that game, something to that effect. Historically speaking, granted it's not a large sample size, but Purdy has struggled in the rain. And this game is due to have rain. So we'll see just how sloppy of a grind this game becomes. Rocket Knees, John, dislike for Barry is hilarious. Even old dogs like Barry can learn new tricks. So, okay, here's my thing on Joe Barry. As you all well know, I cannot stand the overly soft zone or guys playing too far off, right? I guess the concern for many, and myself included in this, is we've seen this before. From Joe, that when the Packers are beginning to face elimination, all of a sudden the defense radically changes, becomes much, much stronger in its performance. 
You know, we saw it two years ago against the Niners in the playoffs. We saw it last year for the most part, even in the games leading up to the Packers trying to sneak in last year. This is a thing with the Packers that when all of a sudden when their backs are up against the wall, the defense starts to play well. And the concern here is why does it take that for the defense to become more smothering, more opportunistic, to even line up more aggressively? Because this is now a three-year pattern. And I guess the hope, because I think if the defense was playing the way that it's been playing for the last three weeks, if they were to play like that over the course of an entire season, oh, fantastic. Yeah, we're thrilled with the defense. But that's what's never happened. It's been a consistency issue for the defense. They do it in spurts. And I think that that's like that's the real like still level of angst or caution of everyone like hey this is a different Joe Barry but we've we've seen this story before and if he's retained next year is it going to take until week 10 next year you know i think that that's still the the lingering concern but at the same time to your point rocket these all credit where it's due the defense has played very very well over the last few weeks and he does deserve full credit for that no doubt about it uh, Mitch Staff, Barry held back because he didn't trust the secondary, but his conservatism was killing us. Yeah, and I think just the overall philosophy of bend but don't break. I'm not sure, I've never been sure that that philosophy is actually the better match for the personnel that the Packers have. The Packers have a lot of personnel that can be downfield and attack, and bend but don't break is like the complete antithesis of that. So it's always been kind of a funny match to me in the first place. But at the same time, over the last couple of weeks, they've been much more downhill than they were. So, yeah, I, yes, conservatism has absolutely hurt the Packers' defense in the past, no doubt. Samuel B in the middle of the defense is my concern on defense. Tight ends and runs up the middle are a concern. McCaffrey and Kittle have to be contained. And that's one of my large concerns with the defense. I went over the numbers last week, specifically against slants. They're the worst team in the NFL when going against the slant route, they are one of the worst teams in the NFL with almost any route that goes across the middle. And that's exactly where Kyle Shanahan loves to call the majority of his game is the middle. That is one thing that Lafleur and Shanahan coming from the same tree do have in common. They love attacking the middle. And like you mentioned, McCaffrey, Kittle, even Debo. Those are all very, very skilled weapons in the middle of the field, and that is a concern. That's one of the reasons, too, that I actually really hope McDuffie is able to go in this game. Not that he's that great in pass coverage, but just because the Packers are going to need their full assortment to do their full rotation in the middle of the field. Chris saying, I was late if you mentioned Dylan. Is he going to play Saturday? Uh, so Dylan, in the practice estimate was still listed as a DNP yesterday. Um, however, he did put on Twitter following the Cowboy game a picture of, uh, of Dragon Ball Z where Goku is like in the tank, like with the liquid all around him, preparing to come back. I don't know Dragon Ball Z that well. I just knew what the picture was from. But he posted that, and that led to a lot of conversation of like, mm, mm, he might be coming back. So, um, officially, he was estimated as a DNP yesterday. We're going to have to see the rest of his status the rest of the week. Lafleur did not offer an update on him as of yet. So, we'll find out. 
Rocket Knees NFL throwback just put 49ers versus Packers round two. Oh, Kaepernick running all over the defense game. They trying to mess with the Packers fans. That's not good. That's not good. Look, there's so much history here, right? I mean, like we all know Favre couldn't beat the Cowboys. Okay, so then Rodgers came in and could easily beat the Cowboys. Um, Rodgers couldn't beat the 49ers to save his life. The poetic justice that is Jordan Love having the opportunity to do both in his first two playoff games is just really genuinely funny. And and this is, you know, admittedly, the 49ers are an incredibly difficult test, no doubt about it. They've had the Packers number. This is also a very different Packers team because of what we've already talked about with Rodgers, because of others. This is a very different Packers team than the 49ers have beaten repeatedly over the last few years. So that's uh, another glimmer of hope, if you will. Connie. Hey, Connie, how you doing? Do you see that the way GB can beat San Fran is a shootout? I don't see the 49ers collapsing like Dallas did. Um, I would, well, okay, so one point, I totally agree. I don't see the 49ers collapsing like Dallas did. Like, no. If the Packers are going to win this one, it more than likely is going to be a very close game. They're not going to implode. They're too disciplined. I don't know as if I'd say shootout. I think what really matters here is which team can get more possessions. And maybe that's kind of splitting hairs, but in the regard of when I think shootout, I think like a score of like 42-35, right? Like both teams getting close to 40 or what have you. This game could very well wind up being 31-28, something like that. Like something just me personally doesn't quite reach shootout levels, but is a very like tit for tat, back and forth. Both offenses doing very well, but not yet perfect. And then who winds up with the ball just one more time? to eke it out. That's what I see being the recipe of success for the Packers and then beating the turnover numbers that I listed earlier. I know a lot of people weren't here, so I'll list them one more time. But Zach Cruz found that the 49ers were 8-0 and when they committed no turnovers. 4-5 and when they did commit turnovers. In terms of takeaways, they were 9-1 and when they got two-plus takeaways. 3-4 and when they didn't get two-plus. So that is what really could determine this. No doubt about it. Mitch, the negative 10 line scares me. LeFleur better stay on the reps. <laughs> the fix is in. Um, I think that, that that feels insane. That betting line, nine and a half underdogs for the Packers. That's a bit too much to me. Miserable goat, one win at a time. Absolutely. And that's what the Packers keep on saying. One and oh, every week, just be one and oh. Uh, let's see. Jacques High from Montreal. Go Packers. Well, hello. Hello to Montreal. Go Pack Go. Bite me. <laughs> Still the funniest one I got to read off. If you pressure Purdy up the middle, it's easy sacks, and he forces passes in the middle of the field. See the Ravens game, five picks and five sacks for Purdy. He's a damn liability. So the thing with uh, they are probably going to get Feliciano back, which is going to improve the inner of the offensive line. However, he's one of two 49er offensive linemen that I think you can argue are actually having a good year. Their right tackle is having a very rough year, having given up nine sacks on the year. That's McKivitz. Uh, their center, Jake Brendel, he logged over a thousand snaps this year. He's okay, really. And then Aaron Banks, their left guard, he's been struggling as well. 
the 49ers do move well as a unit in the run game, but in terms of pass blocking, they do struggle a lot more than advertised. The Packers are going to have to drum up some kind of interior pressure. Trent Williams is almost as good as it gets at left tackle. The right tackle can be beat, sure, but they're going to need interior pressure. Insert Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, etc. You're spot on, though. That is one of the ways to cripple the San Francisco defense is interior pressure getting to Purdy. Mike Tyson, let's go. Huge game this week. Hashtag Packer Nation. Absolutely. Go Pack. Go! Captain Boy, how poetic would it be to have a Packers-Lions NFC Championship? Bears and Vikings fans are going to be fuming over that outcome. Oh, it would be great. be great. And how incredibly... Uh, lined up to the 2010 season, right? Beat the NFC per, uh, team in round one, then beat the number one seed in round two, then beat an NFC division rival in round three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a certain amount of poetry there. I agree. By me, Dallas had CMC to 2.7 yards per carry, but Dallas sucks versus the pass. Um, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Dallas in that game, they absolutely did. On the whole, Dallas was very opportunistic against the pass. I think you could say that. Um, but yeah, uh, CMC, when he's clamped down, does hinder the 49er offense. You, you're right. Um, Brandy. Hey, Brandy, how you doing? How do you see the Packers defense countering this pulling O-lineman tight end blocking team, McDuffie and safety play? Certainly McDuffie. I think that he is, his health is really a much more important key that's being talked about for the Packers defense. Um, he's one that I absolutely want on the field. I think this is one game, too, where especially given the Enigbare injury, I don't mind kicking out Quay to edge sometimes. We saw it last year in his rookie season. He was pretty successful at that. And maybe he takes some of those Enigbare snaps at edge, and that's what gets McDuffie, assuming health, into the game a little bit more. Quay's great weakness right now is still having to diagnose and read. That's still a struggle for him. I don't like having to rely on him reading a bunch against the complexity that is the 49ers run game. Maybe that's a potential solution is keeping him on the field, but having him do something a little bit different every so often. So that's, that's one possible thing. Safety play. Sure. But I don't think you want to get too overloaded in the box. I don't think this is a game where you just march out eight in the box all the time because the 49ers, as much as Purdy isn't perfect at it, especially in rain, they will go deep on you. You know, and, and where Debo lines up is of great importance in what the 49ers are trying to do offensively, something that they're going to have to watch out for as well. So it, it is going to be very, very difficult to overcome that. But I think um, not a lot of stunts on the D-line, McDuffie, and yes, bringing up one safety, however, not both, is probably probably the best ingredients the Packers have. Samuel B and Aaron Jones will need to be equally as effective in the run and pass. He's always the key. He opens everything up and be on being number one defensive player because he can keep their offense on the sideline. Yeah, and that's one thing that over this last run, over the last month, four consecutive games of over 100 yards for Aaron Jones, one thing that hasn't been there, which has always been there historically for Aaron Jones, is they're not passing to him nearly as much as they used to. His reception count has dramatically gone down over the course of last month as he's been getting more touches just purely running the ball. And I do think that him just running is a good key against San Francisco. He has not had success against San Francisco like he's had against Dallas, but 
This is a different San Francisco D. I mentioned earlier that they can be beat in a number of different delayed type runs, toss, crack runs, etc. I would expect a lot of that from Aaron Jones this coming week. Connie, could it be that Matt getting more involved in the defense as wide has improved so dramatically rather than Joe Barry getting more creative? It's possible. It is. I think it's uh, we need to be cautious in in really like carrying any flag right now because we just don't know. I know after the Buccaneer game, Matt said he was going to get more involved on defense, right? But we don't really know what that means. Like, is Matt sitting in now the all defense uh, coordination meetings, the position meetings, as opposed to sitting in the offense ones? Like, no, I highly doubt that because he's still navigating the offense as a play caller. So, like, I know he said he was going to be more involved. We just don't know what form that takes. Maybe it is his insistence and Joe Barry doing things a different way. Sure. But, oh, I mean, we just can't completely know that. And when Matt was asked at his presser earlier this week about Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur was very complimentary of Joe Barry, saying that Joe's made a lot of adjustments, saying that if there was anyone to right the ship, he knew it was going to be Joe, which sent some pitter-patter pounds like down everybody's heart. But so far, maybe he's right. Raganese, I love MLF all season long, preaching uh, to the team. We are not rookies or young players. Forget about that. We are pros. Great message to a young team. Yeah, and it was specifically after one of the losses. Oh, I forget which one. Um, where Matt just like blatantly said, and it was at a post-game press conference, enough of the young guy stuff. Like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, it was even talked about on NFL Network earlier this week. Again, I forget who said it, but they mentioned like, this isn't a team of rookies and and, and young guys. This looks like a veteran team in their level of cohesion and everything else. And that is, that's uh that's a coaching staff compliment for sure. Van dad, one game at a time. Mm -hmm. Go one and oh, every single week. Chris hands, John, if we don't win, which I hope we do, are y'all still hosting the draft? Could you give details on that? Absolutely. Chris. Uh, so last year um, we went live for the entire draft. I mean, like from pick one through the rest of that night, then all the next day, and then every single pick on Saturday. We're doing the same thing again this year. Absolutely, Chris. Um, and the other thing, too, is we uh, we try very hard to keep the conversation on the draft the full time. We got a lot of comments about that last year. Um, as, as I've been very public about, I don't really start my draft prep until the year is done, but uh, when we get into draft season, I will be talking about the draft constantly. I'll be pulling out random numbers on you and seventh round guys, and I'll have my crushes and absolutely it'll be a great time. We will be there live for every single pick me and Claudia. And we'll see if maybe we can even get some other guests this year as well. So thanks for bringing that up, Chris. All right. Uh, just a couple more and then I got to jump. Uh, bite me. I agree as Quay isn't great at diagnosing the plays. It's best to keep him attacking as a blitzer. Stop the run, spy on QB or stop screens or short passes to running backs in the flats. McDuffie better versus the pass. Um, yeah, I just. I think Mc, I would say this, like, let's just make it a little bit more nuanced. McDuffie is better at probably like diagnosing the pass. But if you were to ask me, who do you want to run with a tight ended man coverage? Do you want McDuffie or Quay? Then I want Quay. Like, so I guess like just to split that hair just a little bit. But yeah, I agree totally. Like get Quay. I hate to say this because it sounds incredibly demeaning. 
but get Quay where he's playing instinctually and not thinking. I don't mean that to be any type of knock on him in any way, shape, or form. It's just that is his great strength, is his instincts, and letting his athleticism carry through to his responsibilities. So makes all sense in the world to me, especially for this game. Rocket knees, Aaron Jones has lost fumbles on a key playoff games. I hope that motivates him. Yeah, for sure. I'm, and going back to the turnover point, if it happens again, it could spell a lot of trouble for the Packers. No doubt, no doubt. Samuel Bean, hey, thanks for the super chat, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for hosting a great show, Beans and Cheese. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate the super chat. So it is time for me to get on out of here. I do hope you enjoyed the earlier live stream. Look out on Friday for the game preview Friday evening. I'll be putting out Packers versus 49ers full game preview. Maybe I'll even, uh, maybe I can switch some stuff around and get it out Friday morning since it's a Saturday game. Whatever, regardless, Saturday night, we'll be here, me and Claudia, for the whole thing of the watch party, uh, hanging out, talking all things. Packers and reacting to Packers versus 49ers as it happens. So thanks everybody for being here. Do hope that you are having a great day. And as always, go Pack Go.